So anyway, this is a real world. Negative interest rates are a thing. <laughs> What is up, everybody? It is the Crypto Basic Podcast Flagship Friday, Crypto News of the Week. And I'm Brent Phil, but I'm here with Kareem Baruke. Hello. And Adam Levy. Yo. Also known as Ruthless in the circles that he runs. We're here to give you the news of the week. We were founded as a place for the community to learn about their favorite projects. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite projects. Uh, speaking of favorites, we got a little bit of news that we teased at the end of the episode. It's always, you know, you don't know for sure, like it, it, something could go wrong. Something did go wrong, but we did have the interview with Andreas Antonopoulos and it was apparently awesome. I don't know because I wasn't there. Uh, it was kind of, okay. So there was this last minute scramble. We're doing this at like six in the morning, Adam's time, which is like, sometimes we're up at six in the morning, but sometimes it's uh, like tough. Only because we're still awake, not because we are waking up at six in the morning, right? <laughs> and and I get up a little, I get up even earlier than I normally would for something like this because it's Antonopolis, it's super exciting. And it turns out I am sick to the point where I can't do anything. And there's like, we got like twenty minutes before the show starts, and we always use my account to do the recordings on the thing that we use, which is Squadcast. So it was a super scramble last minute. Adam was on like stalling Antonopoulos for like five minutes. I was talking about Rogan. Actually, it sucks because this would have been a good question. I was like, hey, you're on Rogan. I watched your Rogan pods. He gave that money to Justin Wren and we were like chatting about it. And then at some point, I'm just like, where? Like, where is everyone? Kareem came on his, uh, his speaker. His, his microphone stopped working for like the first time ever. But then we came back and Kareem came in and uh, pressed play. On, and uh, yeah, we had a good good hour talk so that'll be out later uh, next week but the hilarious thing is basically the worst that an interview has ever turned out as far as the scheduling part and the logistics part but probably the best interviews ever turned out as far as the content part based on I, what i've heard i didn't i didn't actually say much i think i probably said more regard uh before uh <laughs> he, he we actually did the podcast but Kareem did a really good job of, I mean, also, I feel like Kareem just went kind of toe to toe in some regard, just talking, you know, at length with Antonopoulos, which is great. And that guy is really good at talking. He's very interesting, man. Yeah, yes. he, he, he really has something interesting to say about every question we threw his way and even challenged the premise of some of our questions, which was cool as well. So anyway, we don't need to hype it up too much. You guys will get the treat to listen to it. But uh, yeah, it went well, and we were happy to have him on the show. Thanks again to our awesome editor, Jason, for making that happen. Yeah, I don't know if you guys mentioned it in the episode, but we Jason... Did. We did. <laughs> okay. He emailed in Greek. Did, did he? Did Antonopoulos notice that? I don't know. Spoiler, but... Spoiler. Okay, never mind. Fine. We'll talk about it on the episode. <laughs> well, I... Yeah, we, I we yeah, <laughs> Jason basically gave us a sentence to say, but we didn't really have time to say it, but it was a ekpombe mas, I <laughs> no think, was like, we the end of it. it. No, no, ek pombe mas is the the last. Uh, maybe that's thank you. I don't know, but yeah, uh, that those are the two words I know of the sentence. Uh, but let's move on, Brent, shall we? Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's time to do a little rapid fire section. We're gonna get some of the things that we don't want to do a total deep dive into, but we think it's important that you know about them. Ready? 
Brent, so what you're saying is that it's time for the rapid fire section. So, yeah, here we are. Rapid fire. Beam, 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 beam. Uh, Fidelity gets Bitcoin custody and trading license from a New York regulator. And that's, I mean, Fidelity is definitely one of the biggest people in finance. They came up with credit ratings last year of, or actually they came out ratings of uh, all the cryptocurrencies last year. And uh, yeah, they're just popping up again. And this is, this is, I had this has to be good for the space. Basically, uh, the New York, New York Department of Financial Services to offer they got a license from them to offer Bitcoin custody service to New York residents. And they New also, York matters a lot because that's where yeah. the regulation is like really tight. That's where like a lot of the crypto companies won't do business with New York just on principle. Yeah, I know that. Um, what was it? Bitrex had to leave. New York, because New York was like, Bitrex, you're slacking. Remember all those crazy names a while back? Yeah. New York is definitely the headquarters of finance in America, possibly the world. And uh, yeah, there's definitely some stringent guidelines you have to go through in order to get licenses there. And also, they received a license to operate a trading platform so New York's institutional investors can securely purchase, sell, store, or transfer Bitcoin. This is good. Nice. Uh, wait, quick, quick question, Kareem. What is the price of Bitcoin today? Uh, well, so while I was looking for stories, I know that it crashed. So seventy five hundred. Oh what? my god, he got it! Wow. Hey, ding, 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 ding. Kareem <laughs> gets the price correct. I, I didn't know it was morning. To be fair, but yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, but unfortunately, yeah. for those of you that don't have to look for stories for a weekly thing, which is everybody listening, right? Uh. Apparently, whenever Bitcoin price drops, 90% of the stories are about yeah. why it dropped or why it's about to go to the moon after this. Uh, it's pretty uh, hard to miss, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I guess we're on it right now, but real quick, there was, and it's not mentioned in this show because I couldn't really find a legitimate source, but basically there was one report that said that Binance Shanghai was raided. And what? and then like CZ tweeted that he had like offices and had HQ is something of the past like SMS and MMS, so basically saying like yeah sure even if that was rated we don't we're like kind of a global entity so we don't really have many people. Ah, this I, feels like something we should have looked into more. Even <laughs> like we weren't rated, yeah. but if we were. No I big tr- deal. I, I, like, I like Adam casually dropping the breaking news. Well, the He's problem, like, hey, guys, <laughs> report of a nuclear bomb this is here. unsubstantiated, uh, Crypto Basic listeners. No, the rumor. The problem was the one place that was reported, like that reported it, was a paywall website. And then, then Cointelegraph also reported it, like was, was, was talking about the paywall website, The Block. So I just couldn't really – I wasn't going to pay – I wasn't necessarily going to sign up for this one source. If it happened, it should be in other sources. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. It's not necessarily ready. I didn't want to come out here and just say that before it's actually confirmed. Hmm. But then you came out and said it before it was confirmed. I didn't say it was confirmed. I said allegedly. <laughs> this is what was – Allegedly. <laughs> All right. So we now have – we now have officially. So someone uh, thought that maybe that was why it, uh, Bitcoin was in, in a frenzy. The rapid fire section includes what are those called? Not blanks, but like you know the ones that are like not real bullets. Uh, They're called blanks. Blanks. Yeah. Shooting blanks. blanks. All right. 
blanks in the rapid fire, which may or may not be real stories. All right. So Neo launched a blockchain course at St. Petersburg State University. Did not know that there was a St. Petersburg State. This is news to me. Uh, also, this is pretty cool. This is Russia, not the. Oh, sorry, yeah, not should, like the Tampa Bay area, right? <laughs> I forgot. We do. We, you two are from Florida, yeah, yeah. Saint Petersburg State uh, in Russia, and they are it, well. That that Saint Pete is named after the one in Florida. Just a little, of note course. Yes. Oh, yes, uh, of because course. Because it was formed <laughs> after the Soviet Union collapsed and all that. Yeah, yeah. But the course aims for, to provide insights into distributed ledger, you know, technology and. Neo technology, and it helps students kind of build, like, develop skills to build with on maybe on Neo with Neo. And I think this is just, I, I like seeing stuff like this. I think this is just good for the space. Um, now you can just go to Russia, take a class on Neo, and uh, yeah, let's do it. Teaches everything about blockchain as well. So, pretty cool. And uh, St. Petersburg State University was definitely not after uh, St. Petersburg, by the because it says oh, it, it was man. established in 1724. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Thought Sorry. we were right on that one. Uh, right. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. The next thing is is very relevant to our listeners. I'd say Poloniex was actually one of the first ones that I knew about a few years ago. They are. Closing U.S. accounts December 16th. Yeah, this one's important. Do you guys know what December 16th is, everyone? It's my half birthday. Yes, we should all get super pumped. Wow. What the hell is a half birthday? I don't know. I just like know. I just start when I was in like elementary school. I was like, oh, it's my half birthday. And now, just, Brent, wow. my knowledge of the English language allows me to deduce that this is a celebration of the half point between the date of your birth and the final cyclical loop around the sun. Therefore, your birthday plus six months. Exactly. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I I thought for sure this was going to be something related to to uh how like the holidays it might have been something to do with Hanukkah. Nope. Just Adam was counting his birthdays in twos. All right guys, stay on track. This is our slowest rapid fire since the 15th century. So, this is very important. You must withdraw your crypto before December 16th. This isn't like Binance where it's like, hey, it's still on there. Even though you didn't really get it off, you can still transfer to Binance USA or whatever if you want. No, this is like you will not have direct access to your account after that date. So, yeah, just give it a double check. Even if maybe you thought you transferred all the money, I mean, all the crypto, all your crypto off of Poloniex. Just make sure. And uh, yeah, I think that's just, uh, you know, definitely a PSA. Be on the lookout. Don't let your Dogecoin just get stuck in Poloniex forever or something. Public service announcement. I like that. Yeah. And Coinbase is going to offer. This is actually pretty sick. That's literally what it says in the uh, you know the outline. And I agree. So they're going to be offering insured IRAs. And this means that you can actually make an, an IRA with Coinbase and make it in crypto. And each account will come with up to $200 million in insurance from Lloyd's of London, which is apparently the biggest insurance company in the world. Yeah, dude, Lloyd's will insure anything. 
like literally you will say to them, I'm a poker dealer. I need to insure my hands and they will do it. Like they will come up with a price on everything. It's almost like they're a sports book or something <laughs> like they, they just are like, yep, well, here's the risk. Here's the reward. You pay us this much. We'll insure you for this much money. Yeah. When you say anything, you don't necessarily mean that in like, oh, they'll do anything. You mean like it's like the, if you come to them with a reason why this is worth finance, some, like why this should be insured, they will most likely figure out like a, a decent price for it or yeah, a, price, if, a worth of it. If you look up some of the weird stuff that Lloyd's of London insures, you'll be in for a treat. I'm 90% certain there are penises insured by Lloyd's of London. It, I, I, I remember a story that. about JLo insuring her, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, that's that was probably them. with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably her, butt. I mean, is probably made. I mean, actually I, now it starts getting weird where it's like, oh, well, you're insuring your money. So you're saying that your, your butt has literally made you money. Yes, yeah. um, or, or is worth something. Are, are you but arguing like that not, her butt did not make her money? Yeah. <laughs> is no, that, is this is like worse from because now she's it's her. It's like her, you know the person is literal that is asking for it to be insured is basically saying, "Yeah, I made money off the butt." Did she insure her voice? Ew, I don't think uh, so. <laughs> I don't know. Danny from the black got him. Boom. All right. Anyway, <laughs> but no, this is so. This is you can literally invest either pre-tax or post-tax. Like you can. Do a Roth IRA, regular IRA with Coinbase, and then expose yourself to some crypto in the process, which is reasonably interesting. And you can roll over your IRA funds from what you currently have. If you have a self-directed, you could turn it into fiat and send it over to Coinbase and then buy crypto. I don't know that's a great idea with your retirement funds to invest in something that's so volatile, but you can. I mean, I, I yeah, I think this is like the secondary retirement fund for, you know, if you want something that's like, oh, this could be worth nothing or this could. But like, it's still going to be more. I would think it's still more less volatile than just holding it on an exchange or. Just, I wonder you know. if you'll be able to do a SEP IRA account with them, yeah. which is interesting because IRAs have a cap on what you can put in them. But if you're self-employed, there is a much larger cap. Yeah, and at the end of the day, like this is really about creating vehicles for us to invest in cryptocurrency with tax incentives. So mm-hmm. that, that's good. Yeah. Yep. So the last thing is uh, the former CFO of PayPal has had his bank account shut down without explanation. His name is uh, Rola. I mean, fuck. <laughs> R-O-E-L-O-F Botha. If you can somehow Rolf. tell me Rolf. Yeah, but like there there's Rolf, which R O L F that is uh it's like a Scandinavian well, so name. So it's not the but classical spelling, but it is sure. I think it's pronounced the same way. All right, Rolf. Uh yeah, so he just received a notice saying, Hey, we're getting rid of your uh bank account after twenty years. And I guess it has something to do with the fact that he was using cryptocurrency no no it doesn't so the people on the twitter account were speculating that they were like replying but it's not he has no idea why they didn't tell him the same the same thing that happened with anybody who gets their account banned on paypal paypal doesn't tell you shit yeah but it looks like justin's son was also uh in hot water regarding that as well yeah yeah i'm there i am not allowed to use paypal so i'm certain that there is some overlap with crypto. I legitimately think that that's the reason that I was banned from PayPal. So, are you not? Are you not in the subreddit Tron Moon Boys like I am? Did you not know <laughs> about that? 
<laughs> no, I am not in Toronto Moon Boy subreddit. That's why you're here, Adam, to represent yes. the rest of the community. But yeah, his uh, Tron's uh, or sorry, Justin Sun's account also got closed, and he basically said he was fired as a customer by BOA. And yep. yeah, this is uh, happening. Not really exactly sure why all of a sudden Bank of America is deciding to just start kind of crack down on cryptocurrency users or buyers, but. The end result is their prerogative. They want to f- not let you work bank with them. They're allowed to because they're a private company. That's why you should try not to bank with private companies in the future. Unfortunately, we don't have any option right now. Wait, Bank of America is a private company? They're not traded on the... Well, okay, sorry. They, they're prob- they're publicly owned, but they're still a private institution. Like they, they're, they're not government owned is what I mean by that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, that was the least rapid fire we've <laughs> ever had. The yeah. slowest turtle moving rapid hey, fire. But yeah, it was a bow and arrow rapid fire. It's still a wonderful rapid fire. All right. So before we move on to the main meat stories of today's episode, we're going to talk quickly about wildfoods.co. Wildfoods.co, still a sponsor of the podcast. And they have. Some awesome, awesome products on their website. And I just decided, ad lib right now, I'm going to tell you, rather than use Crypto Basic 12, which would be nice if you did to give us credit anytime, other than Black Friday. On Black Friday, if you use the code Black Friday 2019, you get 25% off. So that's more than double the, the discount that we would normally get. Sick. So that's th- that'll happen on like the Black Friday and that Saturday. So you get 25% off all those mushrooms, coffees, teas. Uh, all that stuff, all even the fish oil. So I just learned about this about the fish oil. They actually own or the the supplier of that fish oil owns the boats that does the sourcing of the fish oil and is one of the only sustainably raised fish oils in the United States because nobody controls the boats. Also, the boats are going to fish the maximum rather than the amount that they can do. So the, they're certified by Friends of the Sea and they allow the company to source that fish oil without reducing the population they do it like exactly sustainably so anyway pretty cool super interesting so that's it use black friday 2019 if it's actually black friday otherwise use crypto basic 12 all right hey brent uh, now let's get to the, the you know the meat of today's episodes or sorry the main course of today's episodes <laughs> what would you uh, like to talk to us about you know regarding ripple so there was a reminder posted on Reddit that I thought was important to kind of remind the community. We would have put in the rapid fire, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper into this. That Jed McCaleb, the original founder of XRP, who is who then founded uh, Stellar, is increasing the amount of Ripple that he's allowed to sell this year. So he's been in the past allowed to sell $20,000 or 20,000 Ripple uh, per week. Which works out to what is twenty? Let's. Uh, I didn't do the math here, so I'm going to do. They did the math. What is that? Oops. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now calculating. We're we're hearing Brent type in numbers, and do math on the air. This is riveting stuff. I mean, I this was just is why. Yeah, Jason was just going to edit this whole thing until he's got the right answer. I was. I mean, right yeah. The one little. What What is the what What's the question? Seven. All right. 750 divided by what? I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So in the past, he's been allowed to sell $20,000 worth of XRP per week. And starting this year, 
coming up, he's going to be allowed to sell 750 million XRP over the course of the year, but he could literally sell it on January 1st, if I understand it correctly. So I want to give a little bit of a background on how this works and why it happened. Basically, when Jed founded Ripple Labs and they created the XRP token, he was given 9 billion XRP tokens during the founding. He eventually left the project and went on to work with Stellar. And when he did so, there were some contractual obligations. Either he knew about them or he was trying to violate them or he was mad. Who knows what happened? But technically, he wasn't supposed to just like dump all of his XRP. And I guess these same contractual obligations were in play for the other founders. And what he did was he left and he started selling his coins. He he didn't want anything to do with the project anymore. And XRP was able to freeze his assets on an exchange because the exchange went ahead and agreed to let them. So that was one of the things, if you listen to our XRP, both our follow-up and our original one, we talk about how that exchange did something that we don't agree with, but may have helped the price in in the uh, long run because he wouldn't have tanked the project. So during the lawsuit, he had been trying to also give 2 billion XRP tokens to a charity and they wouldn't let him do that either. Now there's questions as to whether that charity was just like a shell company for him, but it doesn't look like it. And in the court order, he was allowed to give those 2 billion to that charity And then he had the restrictions put on what he was allowed to sell with what he had left, which was 5.3 billion XRP. So he could sell 20K, $20,000 worth per month right now. And then that switches to 750 million total XRP tokens uh, next year. And then he can sell a billion in year seven and he can sell 2 billion in year eight. So that is important because selling a massive amount of anything like that i mean we're talking we're talking his i think what's the total market cap of that a hundred billion or something so we're talking percentages of the total available amount are going to be dropped and he's going to be tanking the price probably so just just know that if you happen to be somebody who holds xrp know that it's coming up if you're trying to acquire some maybe that's the time to buy i have no idea not like i would ever consider grabbing some but it's an important thing to look at in the space. I mean, the liquidation of the Mt. Gox wallets, I think, was a smaller percentage of the overall supply of Bitcoin when Bitcoin was at like 20,000. And it was credited with starting that downward spiral. So, yeah, what do, something what do you with think, less liquidity. Uh, what do you think would happen? I don't, I don't know what the ratio is, but what do you think would happen if there was sudden movement in one of the Satoshi wallets? I mean, Craig would be... Things. I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, I have no idea how the community would freak out about that because, especially for those people that think that it's likely that it was, you know, Kleinman or somebody else who's passed away. So, yeah, that would be a super, the, the space would go completely in. They just, they just transferred one sat. Just one. Literally, oh one yeah, would... is all it would take <laughs> to make people go ballistic. Yeah, well, of course, because that that implies that there's agency there. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one Satoshi to Craig Wright. All all you would have to do is move one Satoshi to prove <laughs> all these stupid lawsuits. And then in the transaction a signature or something, right, like... I am not Craig Wright. <laughs> and just I don't care. I'm nobody, but I'm definitely not Craig Wright. 
<laughs> that would be great. Uh, all right. All right. So that's it. Yeah, that's that's the end of that story. I just wanted to bring that to the to the community's attention. Like we said, it was a slow week. Everybody was talking about the price. So my next story is even more slow. So <laughs> in the meantime, Kareem, let's talk about Trump. Well, we we're know, actually going to be love that. No, 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 no. We're not going to be tra- talking about Trump from a political standpoint. This story was interesting because Trump and Jerome Powell recently met as Trump summoned Powell to the White House. So for those of you that don't remember, Jerome Powell is the head of the Federal Reserve. So Brent, um, <laughs> Brent, it turns out that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Kareem constantly Freudian slips my name for Trump or Trump's name for me. There's, it's ridiculous. There's associations there that uh, my brain cannot explain. What? Uh, okay, so the official statement from the Federal Reserve regarding this meeting is that Jerome Powell told Donald Trump the same things that he told Congress, that the economy is in good shape and that the Fed is going to suspend the rate cuts, at least for the time being. As a reference point, they cut interest rates three times this year. The speculation about this meeting is that Trump is putting pressure on Jerome Powell to lower interest rates because publicly he has criticized the Federal Reserve's current interest rates. He says that interest rates are too high. That the economy would be even better if na- if interest rates went to zero or negative like they are in Japan. Possibly the greatest of all time. Possibly the greatest of all time uh, if it went to Europe or Japan. So it's worth saying here that the econ- part of the reason why the interest rates are higher here is because the economy is doing better. The current benchmark right now is between 1.5 and 1.75%, which is already pretty low for historical levels. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to point out is one of Trump's claims is that the negative interest rates here give us a competitive disadvantage with countries like Japan and the EU. And that's not really true. There are ways in which we can interpret that to be true, but there are a lot of other ways in which it's not. And this is what we mean. So the fact that there are higher interest rates here in the United States, that 1%, 2%, which is still pretty low, Yeah, that does mean that it makes the dollar stronger compared to, let's say, the yen, which means that exports are going to suffer because it's more expensive for other countries to import from the United States. But another thing to think about is since we actually have positive interest rates here, a lot of investors are parking their assets from the European Union or or Japan. They want to put their money in the United States because they can have positive yielding assets as opposed to negative yielding assets. And therefore holding it in the dollar. And therefore holding it in dollar. Correct. Real quick, we're going to play a new game. Um, this game is called, what am I thinking of right now? I'm going to read you a quote. From right, the article. This game is called, what am I thinking of right now? That's what Kareem just named it. Yeah, 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 go yeah. With. yeah, I know. It's a random game, but I'm going to read you a quote. And uh, one of you guys, Brent, high hopes, has to tell me exactly what I'm thinking about at the end of that sentence. You guys ready? Okay. Here's the sentence. In a speech last week, Trump said, referring to negative interest rates, give me some of that. I want some of that money. Our Federal Reserve doesn't let us do it. End quote. So first of all, first thing I'm going to say is I I already won this game. Second, I'm going to say you should have said that in Trump voice. It should have been, 
Give me some of that. I want some of that money. Our Federal Reserve doesn't let us do it. <laughs> you right. kind of even gave it away in the way that you said it. Oh, I but know, but it's the first time we play. We want some of that internet money. Yes. South Park uh, episode. Great South Park episode. Oh, my God. What a – this. I, I can't win that, but yeah, what are you going to do? I, I know it was. Good. I couldn't openly say that the game was just for Brent. That felt kind of rude. <laughs> so I was just like, "Hey!" But all right, that is correct, Brent. That one was for you. It totally reminded me of that episode of South Park. Hey, hey Kareem, what am I thinking right now? Uh, you I suck. love my jacket. <laughs> all right, so getting back to it, guys. One of the questions that I wanted us to ask ourselves is, what is the purpose? of lowering interest rates in the first place, in theory. Like, when do we lower interest rates, right? And the idea is to help the economy when it's struggling. The claim right now from Jerome Powell and from Donald Trump is that we have a really strong economy and our interest rates are already pretty close to zero. And it says something, the fact that countries around the world, it is true that other countries have already gone to negative interest rates. And here are some of the countries that have done so. Japan, Sweden, the European Central Bank, Denmark, Switzerland. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yes. So what is a negative interest rate? Yeah, it's not so like you the, get paid. Or, no, exactly. Th- that's it. This is exactly what it means, and it gets so ridiculous. So the negative interest rate means you put a dollar in the bank, and if the negative interest rate is minus 1%, then at the end of the year, you have $99. The bank charges oh you my God. to hold their money. Now, here's why did we even get to uh, negative interest rates in the first place? Because it used to be considered absurd because really a free market's never going to really give you that. doesn't make sense to give somebody money for them to give you less money back, especially when money is worth more today than it is in the future. So when we charge interest, that's what makes sense. I'll give you money. You give me more money back, right? So after the financial crisis... The European Union in 2014 had to go negative trying to stimulate economic growth. The idea is if we're charging for savings, then people will spend and invest more. So it's essentially a a way to force people to spend and invest. But in a lot of ways, it hasn't necessarily worked out because people are still buying that negative yielding bond, which means think about this. Countries like Sweden are issuing government bonds with negative interest rates, and investors are still buying them. Currently, we have $16 trillion in the world of negative yielding assets. So what does that mean? That means that there's $16 trillion worth of investment money that people were so afraid to invest in the traditional world that they were willing to lose money just to put that money somewhere safe. Does that make sense? So. And now, of course, what Trump is trying to get to happen here is for that to go even lower. Why does he want that? Well, it benefits him personally because as interest rates go lower, money becomes cheaper. There's more spending. There's more money printing. Essentially, there's more borrowing. And you have an artificial inflation of the economy. But as we've talked about before in the show and as people on both sides agree, like this isn't sustainable growth. And I don't think that these are good measures of economic activity so the Kind of coming back to it here is this is a like a pressure valve that Bitcoin can help relieve because if this becomes international policy, if it really becomes like central banks around the world are just doing negative yielding interest rates uh, and literally having money in your savings account to cost you money, 
then you're better off with a deflationary asset like Bitcoin to preserve your wealth. That's crazy. Yep. How much does the Bitcoin network charge you to hold your money in your wallet, Kareem? I believe to hold it, the price is zero, Brent. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. That's that's uh, certainly better than negative point one percent. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy, you know. And one more thing to consider, guys, as we a lot of people are talking about the next recession and the next recession. One of the ways that our modern economic system deals with recessions is by lowering interest rates. It's just one of the tools that we have. Okay. So understand as people think that we are heading into the next big crisis, that the American Central Bank has interest rates near 1% and that the European Central Bank is already at negative interest rates. So there is no room for interest cutting, right? So yeah. we're, we're essentially handicapping ourselves in a lot of ways as we extend we extend the expansion, but we're probably undercutting our ability to deal with the contraction. So yeah, that's kind of, yeah, wow. So- the more, yeah, so we're, we're helping the uh, expand as much as possible, but kind of not really looking at the consequences of what may happen when the pullback. Yeah, that's my interpretation comes. and the interpretation of others. Yeah, yep. I'm interested to see what happens to cryptocurrency space in the next recession. I don't want another recession to come because mm-hmm. that's always going to be scary, mm-hmm. but it will be interesting to see if it has a similar negative correlation to gold or silver or something like that. So what was it that Antonopoulos said that was really interesting regarding? Gold? I don't know. We haven't released it yet. So don't be spoiling him. No, but it, it's relevant. Do you remember where he said like gold hasn't really changed? Yeah. We should, you don't we should want to talk. Him, yeah. They should hear that from Antonopoulos. All right. Yeah. Fine. We don't need to be paraphrasing him. Fair enough. The next of of the five course dinner is uh, I'm really going far with this uh, main. Yeah, it's not really working, but hey, what are you going to do? So, Brent, let's talk about the top 10 coins from uh, yesteryear to the present. So if if we're talking about this as a five course meal, Adam, maybe even six courses, what we have here is more of a wine pairing than a course. There's not a whole lot of substance here. And it's probably not something you should be ingesting because it makes you feel differently. Where are you guys and- going with these analogies? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just <laughs> I just thought it would be interesting to look at the top 10 cryptocurrency assets from the day we started the podcast until now. Yeah, I like this. So, uh, so the day we started the podcast, the top 10 were Bitcoin, Ripple, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, Cardano, uh, NEM, Litecoin, Tron. Stellar and IOTA. Those were the top 10 when we started. Today, we are looking at Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Tether, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, EOS, Binance Coin, Bitcoin SV, and XLM. So I thought some interesting things about this so far is number one, XRP was the number two coin when we started the podcast, but that was a very brief blip in the total time that XRP was ever number two. Now it, Ethereum is number two by a pretty significant margin. Tether being number four is super concerning for two reasons. One, it was 37th overall the day we started the podcast. And probably like seven episodes into the podcast was when we released a story about how awful Tether was. So 
it's grown from $1.4 billion market cap to $4 billion market cap. And now it's because the entire market cap of the space has shrunk. It's up there as the fourth overall crypto asset. The dollar. The shitty dollar. It's worse than a dollar. Yeah. Anyway, so that was interesting. Cardano fell out of the top 10, which is a sad face. They There used to be kind of fun things back and forth between Charlie Lee and Charles Hoskinson when Litecoin and Cardano used to flip-flop places every now and then. Adam... Tron has fallen out of the top 10. You know, that's uh, it's kind of brutal. I think that, you know, you need to talk to your boy, Justin Sun, and figure out what we need to do to make announcements of announcements to get that to go up. Give his Bank of America account back first, and then we'll <laughs> be fine. <laughs> uh, EOS didn't exist. They were still in their phase of uh, whatever that was, their, their ICO phase for that long period. And Binance was brand new. At the time, so they were all the way down at thirty one. So now they're they're up there in the top, uh, the top eight. And Nem has completely fallen off, and I don't know why. I wasn't like paying attention to what happened with them. When we talk about like Cardano's not in the top ten anymore, I think it's eleven. So well, didn't it's kind they of have anyway. a? I think there was some sort of breach on a Japanese exchange that was they lost a lot of Nem. Uh, I can, yeah, but that was the exchange's fault. That wasn't the coin's fault. I don't know. I have no idea what happened to drive them down. I literally know nothing about them. Maybe that's why. Maybe I know nothing about them and nobody else knows anything about them. And that's why it fell. They, I, the Japanese exchange claimed that they stole over 500 million tokens of NEM for what it's worth. That was yeah, but they covered it. So it wasn't like oh, this dad. Oh, I don't know. It was from a year yeah. and a half ago, but. Yeah, so I, it's funny because that was the coin that I was like, eh, maybe I'll look into it or whatever. And then it'd just be like, hey, we're like, it was like the New World Order. And you're like, what? 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 I, like, I didn't really understand what they were trying to do with it. Um, and I never really, I just was kind of turned off by like saying, hey, we're the New World Order coin, essentially. So it literally said, it said New World on like New World on their website for, or something. I was like, I don't know what this is by. So speaking of new 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 world order, Adam, unless Kareem, wait, Kareem has something to say. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had just a little bit of commentary on this top ten list, but one is that the I feel like the dominance of Bitcoin here is so much more prevalent even than it seems because if you look at this list, I mean, number one is Bitcoin, two Ethereum and three uh, XRP. Okay, those are real blockchains. Tether, honestly, I don't even consider real because it's a their value is fake, essentially, by them pretending that they're worth a dollar and they can print whatever. At least the other currencies are being traded on the market. So that's not a market right. cap I take seriously. The next is Bitcoin Cash, which is just a Bitcoin fork. The next is Litecoin, which is a Bitcoin fork. Then you have EOS, Binance. And then number nine is another Bitcoin fork, Satoshi Vision, right? So these are all trees emerging from the Bitcoin blockchain that have managed to preserve value. And it'll be interesting to see how these develop over time. But it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's so much of the value on here is coming from Bitcoin. And uh, I I do think that they I actually just checked Nem's website and they completely have rebranded. I don't even I can't, you can't even see anything that was hinting you know a new world. But I remember seeing like the top ten coins like the one phrase you think about them. And when it pointed at Nem, it was like three swirly colors instead of anything subjective. Like, like with Ripple, it was like banks. Yeah. <laughs> and with 
<laughs> and I was like, that's exactly how I think about them. Anyway, yeah, the uh, Kareem's correct. The the number of Bitcoin forks is insane. And in theory, even XRP was originally a pseudo fork of Bitcoin. Like they paid Bitcoin holders XRP tokens, I think. So even though it's not like the same protocol, um, there was some sort of like pseudo airdrop ish thing mm. that happened there. I don't really know. Anyway, that's uh. That's what not a lot of substance there. I just thought it was kind of cool to look back on it. And then we'll probably do that again in another couple of years. Yep. So speaking of New World Order, Adam, that you were talking about before, <laughs> why don't you tell us about China setting up a national committee for blockchain standards? Yes. Well, you just kind of told us about it. Yeah. So China is um, actually launching a standards committee for blockchain technology in a bid to drive high tech innovation uh, in quotes in the area. And the, the committee was has been set up and will be run by the Standardization Administration of China. Uh, it's a wordy organization. <laughs> also known as the SAC. The SAC. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, they're going to help high-tech innovation, promote high levels of openness, and lead high-quality development. These are all in quotes. Uh, establish and improve the standard system of relevant fields and formulate forward-looking high-quality standards that are leading, systematic, and rigorous. So this is kind of conflicting because I, th- I think we've seen, you know, actually, I think recently there was like, like uh, the, the president of China was saying, oh, no, we're going to crack down on, on crypto again. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, this kind of says, hey, maybe that was just a uh, noise again. And they're now developing, you know, there's actually China the bit, you know, one of the biggest countries in the world is starting a committee to drive technology within blockchain in the space for China. So this is this seems, I mean, good for the crypto space. What do you guys think? So when I hear this, what I hear is this is how China is going to ensure that blockchain is developed in such a way that it benefits the state the maximum amount. Maybe I'm jaded. I don't know. But. I'm as about as low as I can be on China right now, based on what's happening in Hong Kong, and you know the rest of the, yeah, not just Hong do, Kong, but, based what's yeah, yeah. happening on multiple fronts. Yeah, but Hong Kong has kind of been the one thing that like pushed me over the edge to be like a little bit more anti-China than I was before. Protests work. Also, yeah, yeah, they they, uh, they haven't necessarily worked. I'm really concerned about what's going to happen to them yeah. when this all finishes and plays out because i mean this is getting it's getting bad and i don't see it work, working out well for the protesters i hope they get what they want and they can they can settle down but i don't see it but yeah this is that's all i'm thinking is how can we make blockchain hurt our citizens rights while empowering the state is what i see this thing as i don't know i could be wrong on my interpretation i haven't looked too much into it but that's my thought i mean there's a lot of evidence that uh, all of the chinese government's efforts are also centered around maintaining control. So sure, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't think it that would be real easy to develop a blockchain that eliminates your privacy on what you're spending to where you could throw people in jail for buying porn or something like that. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is that the article does mention that cryptocurrencies were recently branded as illegal Ponzi schemes and financial fraud uh, by a television program on the Chinese state run channel. So there seems to be a lot of, you know, like maybe there's some smoke and mirrors like, hey, don't buy these coins right now 
But then behind the scenes, we're going to be developing a sack, yeah. you know, to but figure look, out moving forward. I feel like this is like if we think about our perception, we don't know all the facts, I'm sure, but our perception of their uh, policy on internet, for example, right? I think it's pretty clear that China is anti-Western use of internet. They regulate, they censor the internet, they suppress, you know, things like pornography or adult services or political dissent or anything like that, right? Uh, But that doesn't mean that they're completely anti-internet. That doesn't mean that they're not going to have, you know, internet-based businesses and that there's still going to be some type of social media where they can still manipulate narratives and keep track of activity and whatever. Like, it's still the 21st century. So this seems like they're going to go in a similar direction, right? Like, they're going to present state options that are accepted while, you know, doing everything they can to prevent their citizens from using alternatives that they're going to brand illegal, immoral, incorrect, whatever. Right. Yeah. And both of these things can be true at the same time. They can think that blockchain is good and for the future. Sure. And say there's 102 cryptos that were scams and air. Mm -hmm. There's way more than 102 that were scams and air. Like, I think damn near 95% of the space, if not more, is scams and air at this point. It's very true. Uh, so. so wrapping up the main course, what do you want to talk about for dessert, uh, Brent? <laughs> Jesus. In our uh, crypto around the world segment. All right. So this was just a cool. This is uh, only loosely related to crypto, similar to how the story about the the Federal Reserve is loosely related, but there was a cool little war game summit that was held at Harvard. And it was specifically, it was kind of like live action role playing with a group of people who sat at a table and they were all former high ranking U S officials. And they each had different roles to play in a situation room where the, the game centered around North Korea had just completed a missile test. It's taking place in 2021 and the missile test had just occurred and it was serious. Like they are now a nuclear power. And as they were trying to figure out what happened, they basically in the war game explained that they were able to buy and circumvent all of the sanctions because they were using the digital yuan from China hmm. that they are kind of currently creating. So they talk about how their ability to weaponize the U S dollar is diminishing because of the competing digital currencies and how they should have been on board with that before it happened so that they could, tin- could continue to weaponize the U.S. dollar, which is interesting. I don't think anybody wants anybody weaponizing currency. Um, but, of course, the U.S. wants to because currently they can. The overarching theme was that the landscape of digital assets emerging will probably weaken the dollar and weaken the U.S.'s ability to enforce sanctions on countries that have issues doing business because they can't use the dollar. And it all centered around SWIFT. So an interesting thing about the the attack, or not the attack, but the way they made the Chinese yuan more accepted was they attacked the SWIFT network, the North Korean hackers in this world uh, of the role-playing game. They attacked the SWIFT network and stole $3 billion from SWIFT specifically to reduce the effectiveness and reduce the uh, like comfort. What, what, I'm, confidence. 
Confidence. Yes, that is the word that I could not find to reduce the confidence in the Swift network so that more people would start using the digital yuan. And that's what happened. So they used that hack attack and did that. So it was about an hour and a half long kind of live action role playing in 2021 where North Korea is gaining power was was interesting. To look at I only looked at a couple of clips, but sounds like a sweet. Check it out. Sounds like a. I mean, I kind of want to play this game. Sounds fun. We should do it. <laughs> All three of us. Let's get it together. We'll have the the crypto war games. Craig Wright transfers one Satoshi. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> World goes into hysteria. Yeah. Well, this last one I have on here, guys, is really quick, but it goes well with our earlier story about interest rates. One of the German banks, because when we talk about negative interest rates in Europe and stuff, really a lot of times we're talking about like with big institutions or big banks or big depositors. Uh, But now it's starting to extend to just individuals' savings accounts. Uh, According to multiple press outlets, including the Süddeutsche Zeitung, I don't, I can't say German. Uh, but anyway, the VRF bank in Northern Bavaria is now charging half a percent, 0.5 negative interest rate on small deposits, anything over a single euro before it was only above anything over a hundred thousand dollars. And they're basically saying that like, since the rates have gotten even more negative at the central bank, then it costs them more to hold the money. So they're passing those rates cuts down to the consumer. So anyway, this is a real world. Negative interest rates are a thing. <laughs> so that's right. it for our international section. All right. And I want to mention that we're about a month away before the end of the year. And we intend to once again, beginning of 2020, have the cryptes on the show where we will use the same categories and then expand on future categories. So take a uh, if you subscribe to the newsletter that we have, you go to CryptoBasicPodcast.com. At the bottom, we have a little newsletter subscription. We're going to send out a form or a thing where you can vote slash submit, and we'll see what other categories we come up with. Who is going to be the biggest douche in crypto in 2020 <laughs> or many of the other crypties that exist? We're going to have you be a part of the process. So that's coming up. And that's that's it. So that's gonna that's gonna take us out. Join the Discord. There is in fact a Crypties chat there, which will start getting fired back up. And ideally, look, if anybody wins one of these that's willing to come on the show and accept it, I'd be super happy. <laughs> so we'll we'll reach out. And we can even give them their retroactive award awards. So if Craig Wright wants to come claim the biggest douche in the crypto universe, we are happy to give it to him. Well, don't forget he's got a lifetime nomination, Brian, so he could win it again. He yes, he could win it again. In contention every year. Honestly, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't see anyone taking it from well, him. Spoilers. <laughs> Jesus. The year is not over. <laughs> All right. So join our Discord. Yeah, you know, subscribe that newsletter. I'm actually going to start sending it out, even though we haven't ever. Uh, and check us out on Twitter. And the Antonopoulos episode will be released next week. We are not financial advisors. Do your own research. Uh, we are not financial advisors. We're idiots. Don't listen to anything we say. We even talked about prices in this episode, which we almost never do. So those were all complete and utter entertainment. Not something you should just listen to. See you guys. Have a good week. It's been fun, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Bye.